And now it's time for the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Dalton. Welcome to the world of Longhorn Sports. I'm Dalton Sweat, sitting down here with Chris Dukes, the publisher of Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven. And, uh, you know, last week I went and counted how much work you put in on Longhorn Maven, 22 articles in a week just from you alone. Uh, it is a nonstop shop for Texas Longhorn football right now. Oh, yeah. We, if, if, we, if we aren't hitting 20 articles between, between games, we're, we're not really doing our job correctly. <laughs> yeah. uh, anything you want to know about the team, you can find out there. And anything that I didn't write, we usually we, we keep a, uh, a running tally of, of all the best stuff from everybody else and yeah. run that there, too. So it's it's... It, if you if you're looking to find out something about Texas football and you can't find it there, it's probably not worth knowing. Yeah, well, and I mean even further, I really enjoyed on game day. You know, a lot of times coverage starts slacking over the weekends at any just uh, news or sports outlet. On game day, you've got coverage right after the game. You've got coverage on Sunday. You've got recaps. So it really helps uh, get you through that weekend lull, if you will. Yeah, and and a live blog during the game where where fans can come and and kind of talk with me. Basically, what what you normally see from guys on Twitter, we we kind of do in our own little closed in group where people are can come and talk. You know, last week there were some people uh, obviously with some some uh, concerns yeah. in the comment section, uh-huh. uh, and and you know th- we get to address that, and we all get to go through it as a as a as a as a group as a family. Well, if you'd like to address it with Chris Dukes, you can find him at at Dukes Take on Twitter. That's correct. Um, or also you can join us on Facebook, uh, Longhorn Sports Illustrated. So if you want to get involved, uh, come and find us, and uh, let's just go ahead and get started with the game. You said there's some concern, but I want to start with all hail Dicker the kicker. I mean. <laughs> You want to talk about a season saver. I know it was only a 33-yard uh, field goal, but still, if that doesn't go in, this, this is a whole different season for the Texas Longhorns. This this kid has been incredible, even just as a sophomore. Yeah, I, I, I really don't think anything phases him. I mean, the kick he made last year against Oklahoma, he was winking at people on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this is a... This is exactly what you want in your kicker. As someone, you know, I heard him say after the game that once once he hits the field, it's just him, the long snapper, and the holder, and that's all he that's all he can see. Uh, that that's that's amazing to me. I, I uh, it's something I don't think I could ever do for sure. It's, no. it's a special talent. No, I I, I couldn't either. You know, it kind of reminds me of Dusty Mangum. You know, minus two Rose Bowls. <laughs> you know, maybe he'll get his opportunity, but you know, just that cool, calm, and collected. Uh, it, it really is impressive. And, and like I said, without him making that kick, without a, quite a lot of other things going the Longhorns' way, this season, I mean, it, it it could be a completely lost season, or at least this would be a turning point in the wrong direction. I know that it was an exciting football game, but whenever you look at it, there were no Texas Longhorn fans that were happy at the end of this night. You know, uh, I, I heard the term "moral loss" after the game. <laughs> I've never heard that before, and I and uh, I, I I couldn't help but agree with it. It it felt like the whole press conference felt like a loss. The players after the game didn't feel nobody felt really good about this. You yeah. know, well, I heard a stat in the first quarter, and and I haven't fact checked this because when I heard it, I thought there's no way that's true. But one of the announcers said um, this was the first time Kansas had held a lead in Austin since 1997. And I thought, oh my. Like, and that was the first quarter, first touchdown, you know, or uh, whatever. And I thought, my, that is, that is a, a, you know, 15, 
20 years of of utility from Kansas, and then all of a sudden they make it a game all the way in the fourth quarter. But that's kind of what you see from this moral loss is this was a team that Texas was just supposed to wipe off the map in the first half. Yeah, I, I, I said before the game that for Texas fans to feel good leaving this game with Kansas, you know, they had to just be wondering when they're going to play the journey song in the fourth quarter. You know, that should have been the only thing, the only drama. Yeah. Uh, and clearly it wasn't, you know, you, 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 you're, you're trailing with under two minutes to go against a team that, uh, you know, I think has I think three big 12 victories in the last three years. Oh. It's, uh, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, uh, wasn't an ideal day by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a win that yeah. can't be forgotten. Well, it, not only was it a win, it was a really stinking exciting game. Um, you know, just watching it and, and I'll be completely honest. Astros game was on at the same time. I'm sitting at a bar watching TV and TV on, on each game on left and right, you know. I'll be completely honest. That may or may not have been on in the press box uh, <laughs> of the DKR as well. Uh, but, you know, uh, fourth quarter alone, six touchdowns, two field goals, a blocked extra point, um, returned for two, for two points, and a two-point conversion that eventually took the lead. And one of those field goals, oh, it was a walk-off. I mean, you just don't see that in football very often. You know, a week ago at Oklahoma, you really, you could really fault the special teams for for putting Texas in a lot of bad spots. But mm-hmm. this week, I I I think without the special teams, this this game is is your disaster wheel falling off moment. Oh, you know, the, clearly, the two block field goals in this game, one return for the for the for the three point swing that that sets up a, a quick touchdown on the other end. All of a sudden, you you were tied, you were potentially tied, and you're up by ten. Within a minute, you know uh, that that's a huge change, and obviously that those ten points, every single one of them was valuable in this game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that the Texas special teams did a great job, uh, you know, ex- making the most of the fact that there's a lot more talent in the special teams area for Texas compared to most of these teams are going to play, especially a team like Kansas. Where, it should be a positive, right? You know, ta- Texas has athletes that you can stick on special teams that would be star players on Kansas. Yeah. You know, um, or at least starters on Kansas. Exactly. And so I agree with a lot of these games coming up, and that's even true for TCU. Um, You know, TCU does a good job uh, recruiting, but nothing like what the Longhorns do. Oh, yeah. Um, I I got a question for you. Was that – am I correct that that blocked extra point was Malcolm Roach? Uh, Malcolm Roach, yeah. It was – the the one that got returned was Malcolm Roach. Yes, yes. yes. I, I, I thought so. We saw a pretty big difference in the first half and the second half whenever he was suspended for that targeting hit in in the first half. And then he came back and things started settling in. And uh, you really saw um, Puka Williams struggled, uh, at least if you could call 190 yards struggling, but uh, struggled more in the second half when Malcolm Roach was in there. Um, it looked to me like we you could really tell how important he was to this ball club. And, and you saw a lot of the first half. They were targeting right right where Malcolm Roach would, should have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, they they clearly they clearly had read the report, knew he wasn't going to be in that first half, and, and and it changed their game plan. And the second half. Uh, you know, they there was there was a better job containing the run. I mean, obviously, like you said, Pugalams ran, ran for 190 something yards. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to it's hard to call anything that happened in that game containing. Uh, <laughs> and he and he's a shoelace out of bounds away from breaking another long run that you know on that that spin move that he had in the fourth quarter that mm-hmm. was just jaw jaw dropping. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, you can definitely tell he's he's the senior leader on that defensive line. Not only 
Can you tell when it, from a misproduction from where he is when he's not out there? You can tell from a leadership standpoint that 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 whole defensive line gets better when he's playing. All right, so I got one more topic before we really start into get getting into the position breakdowns. I told you I was watching this game at a bar, Astros game on the right, Longhorn game on the left, with about 50 other Longhorn fans that were all into this. And I will tell you the grumbling throughout the entire game, all I heard was if Texas loses this game, Tom Herman loses his job. And I and I kept looking around going, are y'all serious? Like I, I just, I, you know, I don't see it. I get why you'd be frustrated, and I get why fans, you know, fans short for fanatic. I get, I get how it, you can come out with that perception, but I just don't see that as anywhere near realistic. Tom, Herm, Tom Herman's seat is not remotely hot yet. <laughs> uh, you know, I not mean, even warming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would take, it would take a pretty big disaster for the rest of the season for it to even be a, a question during the off season, as yeah. far as, as far as I, I'm concerned. The, they, the uh, everybody at the university is, is excited about the direction the program's headed. I mean, there's recruiting classes. Just he just keeps bringing in top end talent. I mean, uh, yes, there's there's some stumbling and some struggling going on right now, but you're still you're still five and two and a top fifteen team in the country. And anybody that's upset about that really should look back to like 2016 where this where you're wondering how you're going to you're you're trying to get into a bowl game. Uh-huh. You're trying to find six wins to get into a bowl game. Yeah, you're trying to qualify. Right. Just just win six games. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I, I kept hearing it and I mean I, I said there were 50 Longhorn fans there. 49 of them were saying Tom Herman's gone. We got to get this guy out of here. And I just kept going, "Man, it just doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't seem rational to me." But uh, from the other side, I I I do get that this is this season, while the record still looks solid, not great, but solid, you've uh, lost two games that you were hoping to win, but probably were underdogs in both. So I guess you've won the games you're supposed to win and lost the games that you were predicted to lose. Um, but I, it still feels to this point in the season to be a bit of a disappointment. This team just isn't playing the way that people thought they could. And there's there's a little bit of a disappointment because there's a feeling that the program's kind of treading water right now. Hmm. You know, uh, this is a program that took, you could see the steps that it took in 2017. You could see the tough steps it took in 2018. And you haven't had that watershed moment where you're like, okay, this this is this is something that this team couldn't have done a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot of disappointment, especially in the fact that you've, you're, you might be wasting one of the greatest quarterback seasons that this, this program's ever seen, yeah. you know, uh, from Sam Ellinger. If, if, if things, if things, you know, if you can't get one of those trademark wins out of this year. Yeah. Well, at the same time, going from bad to good is tough. Going from good to great is really tough. That last step to get over the hump to being a premier back to being a premier program that's that's a, as big as it is getting from a struggling to be a six win team to being a nine or a ten win team, and I think that's what Longhorn fans are are struggling with right now is that those that extra one win to get from nine to ten or ten to eleven is a pretty big jump in college football, especially whenever you're playing OU and LSU um, in a season, trying to get up there towards that you know eleven win mark. That's that, that's not easy. Oh yeah, and and there's a reason that. Uh, there's there's a perceived drop off from you know the four or five top programs in the country, really from Clemson and Alabama. Then you've got you know a mini second tier, and then 
everybody else. And to get, I, I've, I've, I've said it a few times this year, Texas is up to that doorstep, but they, they haven't figured out how to kick that door down yet. And, yeah. and it, it may not come this year, uh, but they, they can still take steps towards it. I mean, that's, that's, this is a season that is, everything's still on the table, uh, but there's a lot of things to get fixed if, if you want, if you want to even be in that conversation. Well, and, and they've still got Ellinger going forward. And I hate to already start talking about next year. Um, it's well, well too early, but none, in a brief glimpse, they've still got Ellinger next year. Um, they've got their basis. Um, I think this line is largely intact going forward. We'll lose a couple pieces, but uh, nothing too significant. The defense is very young. We'll obviously lose um, uh, a player Roach. or two, you know, Roach that are important. But but overall, the out of the top twenty players playing on defense, I bet you sixteen of them are coming back. You know, Herman said there are nine freshmen and sophomores uh, that, that were in the starting lineup last week. So it's, there you go. It's it, it's extremely young on defense. So I, I think there is some some optimism moving forward um, for this to be a building season and trying to get those freshmen and sophomores some big bowl game type experience or you know play LSU play Texas or play play OU then try and play OU again if all goes well that that alone is a lot of big experience so uh you know it, it can be a building year however frustrating it is uh to to watch you know Kansas throw 48 points up on your defense right and and I mean it's important to remember that like like we said they won that game and that everything's still on the table to to win a big 12 championship mm-hmm. if if you improve it, if you play the way you did against Kansas, this this team is probably going to lose two to three games. It's going to lose next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get to TCU here in a little bit, but I mean, they they whooped up on Kansas. Yeah, you know, it was it wasn't even a close game. So I mean, that that you know, it's not a transitive property here, and uh, you know, one team beats another, but Especially nonetheless, in the Big Twelve. It, yeah, nonetheless, it, it makes you nervous. Let's let's get into a little bit of the breakdown. We'll start with the offensive side of things. Go a little more specific into positions. Sam Ellinger, you talked about having one of the best seasons that a quarterback has ever had at Texas, at least statistically. He's well on the way. This game certainly didn't hurt with the stats. Um, 399 yards. Could somebody not have just given him that one more yard? I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, there had to be enough half yards missed in that to, to add up to 400. Four touchdowns, passing, 91 yards rushing on the ground. Um, we, we've talked about him a lot. He is um, he's putting himself in the conversation of one of the best Texas quarterbacks of all time. Now, I mean, he's got a long ways to go to top that Mount Rushmore. But he's getting himself into the conversation for sure. There's there's no doubt about it. And and there were times during that that game against Kansas where, you know, there's nothing happening downfield. There's nothing. He's just taking this team on his back, and he's and he's 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 picking up first downs on his own. You know, I mean that it, it it's uh it's it's impressive to see the the load that he's having to shoulder and and the fact that he's been able to do it so far. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I it it it's. It's playing a dangerous game, but uh, so far he's been able to 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 overcome some some bad spots that he's been put in by some of the rest of the team. So I don't know if this is because of my trust in Sam Ellinger or my uh, lack of respect for Kansas, but forty eight forty seven minute change, something like that left. I remember sitting there looking at it, thinking there is no way. UT loses this game. Ellinger is going to drive him right down there and at bare minimum get him within field goal range. I just had I had zero doubt. 
And I think a lot of that credit goes towards what we've seen from Sam Ellinger. You just trust him. You trust him to play big in the best moments. And, and that's, that's what he did. Exactly. I mean, it's uh it's a nice luxury to have. And, and you saw the Texas offense, you know, for as much as we've talked about the defense and rightfully so, it, I mean, the, 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 if, if it bleeds, it leads. And <laughs> the defense was bleeding uh, pretty hard uh, DKR on Saturday. Yeah. But on but on offense, I mean, you get Colin Johnson back, and it really opens things up. You got to see Devin Duvernay used in some ways where that he hasn't been able. To, I mean, some get some looks that he hasn't had. You know, some down. He got downfield. He got he got one on one coverage downfield, and uh, this offense is a lot more lethal when when Colin Johnson is healthy, and and it's it's just more weapons for for Sam Ellinger to work with. So I was thinking the exact same thing. I called it a a, a dual threat wide receiving court. You know. When Devin Duvernay's out there, he can slot the, the the opposing team to death. But whenever you throw Colin Johnson out there, it really makes an entirely different um, – it causes the defense to have to completely change because they can't just let Devin Duvernay take these over-the-middle passes over and over and over again because then they've got not just a possession re- receiver but also a deep threat and Colin Johnson, it really changes the Texas offense having both of them on the field. Yeah, and and I I really think that Johnson got more settled in in this game than he did against Oklahoma. And I mean, obviously, part of that is the quality of defense you're playing. Uh, but but it, it changes things like that. if you watch the, that Oklahoma game, those those safeties are just screaming downhill every time Texas shows that look where they're going to run that bubble screen. And that's something you can't do if you're sending a Colin Johnson deep and and, and isolating him one on one with people. It's uh, this is this is a much more dynamic Texas offense with with. I mean, it's pretty easy to see with when you've got your your senior leader wide receiver back back in the lineup. Well, and and I agree. There were expectations coming into this year that Texas offense was going to be a top ten type offense, and they haven't been that good. They've been solid, but the last couple games since Johnson has been back, I'd even say that they might be moving towards that top 10 that top 10 type offense. They they're starting they're starting to look like the offensive side of the ball is starting to look like what we expected coming into the year. Yeah, I I I I probably couldn't name you if if I were trying to win a game on a on a Saturday, I I, I probably couldn't name you 10 offenses I would take over Texas right now. Yeah. Uh just just based on their ability they they're explosive for the first time in a long time. They're they're able to convert on long drives. They're, I mean, third downs are, aren't a problem. They're running the ball really well. We haven't even talked about the fact that a week ago everybody wondered what was wrong with Keontae Ingram, and mm-hmm. I think he ran he ran for over 100 yards against against Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they've got two dynamic running backs now. Uh, yeah, this the, I, I, I would consider them a top-10 offense in the country. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see if the stats – finally catch up with that after a couple of weeks. I do want to talk about that running back position, though. Um, a lot of talk about who's the starter, who should be the starter last week, Keontae Ingram or Roshan Johnson. And they pretty well split carries. Um, 14 carries for uh, Keontae Ingram, 11 carries for Roshan Johnson. So relatively similar. But Ingram went for 101 in a touchdown, and Johnson went for 41 in a touchdown. That's a bit significant. Yeah, and and I think that some of this, it, it, guys are going to get hot and cold during games, yeah. and and I I think that there's been there's been a lot of stink about about 
who should start at running back when the fact is you should never complain about having two guys that are capable of starting at running back. I mean, and it, it goes to show in games like this where, you know, one guy starts getting hot and you feed him the ball in the second half, which is what happened with Ingram. Uh, you maybe would have liked to have seen him do it a little more and kind of run some more time off the clock in that fourth quarter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think you're in a situation where we're, one of these guys, I mean, you, you, you increase your odds significantly that you're going to have a running back that's on whenever you've got two guys that are capable of doing it every week. Very true. And I, I think there's no problem with, with going with the by-committee approach to this. I mean, if, if if Johnson's on more that week, you you, you feed the ball to Johnson. If, if it's Ingram, you feed the ball to Ingram. I mean, you see Georgia, you see Alabama, you see a lot of teams do, do exactly that. And then um, last week against uh, Oklahoma, the offensive line did not hold up. I mean, it was pretty porous. This week seemed a little bit more on the map, a little more what 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 you might expect. What what did you think of the offensive line's performance? I thought they did a pretty good job. They they protected Ellinger pretty well. Uh, established a great running game. Uh, some, I mean, that's pretty close to as dominant as Texas has looked running the football, where you know they can just dictate when they want to do it all season so far. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, the, there's players from Kansas on the other side, and that makes it a little makes it a little easier than you know playing playing some of the other teams that they have this year. But but I think that this this offensive line, it, it, I, I was happy, or you, you've got to be happy if you're a Texas fan to see that they were able to gel and 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 rebound from from a poor performance the week before, and you know they didn't let it get them down. There wasn't a confidence issue. Yeah. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Puka Williams had 190 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, you th- you just throw that out there, and uh, before the game, you tell me Puka Williams has 190 yards and two TDs. I'm thinking, oh, Texas is in trouble. And then you throw on Stanley, you know, 310 yards and four touchdowns um, in the air. I mean, th- this this Kansas team ate up the Texas defense. Yeah, and and we talked about before, you know that, you know, there's a new offensive coordinator. There's going to be new stuff that that nobody's seen, and Kansas threw out some new stuff. But they also just they found a rhythm for their for their quarterback and 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 found ways to feature their talented players. I mean that you you got to give them credit for that. They found they found ways to get to get Puka Williams the ball where he was one on one with linebackers, one on one with safeties, and he's going to win that battle. He's that's a that's a future NFL player for sure, and you can see it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, there there has to be some credit given to Kansas, but also, you know, you you knew you were going to get that going into this game. And technically, it's not like he he surprised. It's not like Puka Williams showed up out of nowhere yeah. before the game. Uh, it, it's uh it's got to be frustrating if you were rooting for Texas to see that they weren't able to to game plan for. The guy everybody was knew was going to be the best player on the field. Yeah, well, and you can game plan as much as you want, and this feels a bit like beating a dead horse. But if you can't tackle, it doesn't matter how much you game plan, and that's we can sit, continue to see that issue over and over again for the, with this Texas defense. And it's probably something you're going to see for the rest of the year. I mean, you can't. You can't start running tackling drills in, in mid-October. Well, you can, but how much are they going to do? That's exactly, yeah, <laughs> and expect some miraculous result. You know, this isn't, this, this, this isn't uh, 
like this isn't a movie, you know, this is real life, and mm-hmm. everybody there's there's a bunch of Division One athletes on scholarship that you're you're trying to tackle, and it, at, it's hard to play catch up in the middle of the year. At the same time, Texas athletes know how to tackle. I mean, it's not like they they don't understand the basic fundamentals of tackling. I'm just wondering where the lack of execution is coming in. Is it a mental thing at this point? Is it something in their head? Um, you know, are 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 they just not breaking down, keeping their head up, wrapping up? You know, I mean, it's just it, it's not like these are a, it's a secret how to tackle well. You know, it, it, everybody starts learning the basics in junior high, if not before. Uh, these guys know how to do it. I'm just wondering why, why we're not seeing it executed on the field. Yeah, you know, I heard uh, Tom Herman had an interesting take on it uh, Monday. Uh, he talked about you know guys maybe trying to do a little too much. Mm. You know they're launching too soon. They're, there's there's a sense of you, you know it, it's kind of like when you're stuck in quicksand. And if you if, if you struggle, sometimes you can sink yourself in deeper. And I think that that's that's uh, the, this Texas defense. There there's a bunch of young players out there that are maybe thinking too much and maybe trying to I mean trying to do too much and. Mm-hmm not just relaxed and playing football and, and flying to the ball. And, and it's, uh, it's costing him in these one-on-one situations. Well, I, and I, I agree. I think that's got to be what it is. They're trying to force fumbles. You know, they're trying to make big plays. Um, it's at least working for somebody. Uh, Deshaun Jameson. Yeah. I mean, uh, what we talked about him last week, this week, uh, he's got two forced fumbles out of the, the three that Texas had this weekend. Uh, he's, he's looking like a, a, a pretty big fine in the, Secondary out there. Yeah, and, and a guy that's, uh, I mean, you're going to have some actual depth at, at corner whenever you get Jalen Green back, which, you know, could happen. Well, I know, I'm sure we'll get into injuries, but it could happen <laughs> as soon as this week. Uh, you know, there's there's, um, there's, there's, there's a chance that this position that you really thought was a huge weakness a couple of weeks ago could turn into one of the strengths of your team. And you could be able to, you know, maybe alleviate some of the problems you've got uh, defending the pass, if you can put these guys in one on, if you can trust your corners to play man to man and 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 make some plays. Yeah. Well, and then we talked a little bit earlier about Malcolm Roach, but uh, Overshone also had a, a pretty good game on the defensive line. Uh, uh, Overshone, uh, he, he's a uh, he's safety, but yeah, oh, I mean, sorry, he, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he did uh, he did have a he did have a good game, and that's a guy that you know been itching to get out on the field all year. Uh, he's been battling injuries and. Finally gets a chance to to go out there and shine, you know, not not necessarily in his natural position either, uh, but he's he's just a playmaker. I mean, that's that's a five star athlete and a guy that played like a five star athlete. Yeah, he uh, he made a couple plays in the backfield this last week. Looked really really good. Yeah, he's 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 one of your more physical defensive backs. I mean, he plays like when they get him when they get the secondary to you know remote uh, something that remotely looks like healthy in their optimal lineup. He's a guy you're going to play more of as like a hybrid uh, linebacker safety mm-hmm. type guy that's going to be up near the line of scrimmage a lot, and uh, and and that that's that's probably where he thrives best. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up gameplay uh, takeaways from the game. My first question is: Brent Deerman a genius? <laughs> um, I think he's a good coach, but I think that Texas may have made him look better than may may have uh, may have aided him. His 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 looking like a genius a little bit <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, the question I actually wrote down is: Brent Deerman a genius or is Texas in trouble? It, uh, I I think that uh, he's a good coach and Texas is in a little bit of trouble. I yeah, it's a little bit of both, split, isn't it? Split that down the middle. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, they just kept coming. 
You know, if, if you're right, when you said earlier that the Kansas offense really got into a rhythm, that's that's what you saw. And a lot of that is play calling. You know, you can set that up and help your quarterback get into that type of a rhythm. And that's a bit of what I think we saw from Kansas. And so maybe they have found a little something on that offensive coordinator side. And, and they, you know, they could put some points up on some some other teams in the Big 12. The Big 12 isn't, it isn't as good at the top end as it usually is. I mean, you've got Oklahoma, uh, probably the clear-cut number one right now. Texas is, you would think number two, maybe Baylor. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks. You know, that that's all of a sudden, all of a sudden a question. But other than those teams, you would think, just about anybody could beat anybody. I mean, if Kansas beat a Texas Tech, it wouldn't surprise anybody. Well, and, you know, the, to me, the biggest part of this uh, this game, this could have been a turning point in the season that puts seven wins or eight wins into the picture instead of nine wins, you know, or even maybe ten. This game could have been a disaster. Texas got away with it, got the win, and moves on to live another week. That's, to me, the biggest storyline about this game is that the season, while it wouldn't have literally ended, it could have figuratively ended on Saturday, and it didn't. And that's that's a big deal. Yeah, you lose that game, you got three losses, you're probably out of the top 25 for all intents and purposes for most of the rest of the season. Uh, and you're, you're all of a sudden trying to figure out how you're going to get, like you said, to, to nine wins even. Uh, now you're you're in a situation where everything's still in front of you. you. There's still, I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done. Obviously, I think we've said that, kind of hammered that point home pretty <laughs> pretty hard here. But uh, but I really think that um, you've got you've you've got everything in front of you, and that's all you can. I mean, that's all you can ask for. I mean, that's what you go out there to do every every Saturday is win, and mm-hmm. that was in the win column. Yeah, while well, wasn't pretty, sometimes that's what matters, right? Yeah. And, um, and you kick the can down. The, I think we I think we mentioned that earlier. You kick the can down the road at least for another week. <laughs> yeah, save the season for at least one more week. Right. Uh, so I guess we'll get into that next week. Uh, once again, I'm Dalton Sweat sitting down here with uh, Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven publisher Chris Dukes, and uh, you can find his. Daily ramblings on si.com slash college slash Texas. Uh, went and checked out the website today. Got kind of a new look to it. I think it looks good. Yeah, yeah. We just uh, we updated everything. Uh, I think that came in sometime last week. Yeah. Uh, kind of streamlining everything. We got featuring the uh, the front the front page the the top stories up there a little more and. You know, you can navigate down and find stuff pretty easily. It's I, I like the way it looks. All right, let's get into TCU. Uh, they are three and three on the season. One and three in Big 12 play, I believe. That doesn't sound right. But um, nonetheless, they are um, they're not having the season they were hoping for coming in. They were, they were expected to be maybe not top of the top half of the Big 12, but they're expected to be a little bit better than what they've shown. They've got losses to uh, SMU, which we thought originally was embarrassing. Turns out that SMU might be a half-decent ball club. Um, Iowa State. Kansas State, you know, just last week, Kansas State tacked on a late touchdown, took them down 24-17. And so this is – where do you see TCU at this point? I think you're probably looking at, you know, a seven – this could be – this could be a six and six, seven and five type type team. Uh, They're they're also a little bit of a dangerous team because they're always going to play great defense under under Gary Patterson. They've got a lot of seniors on that side of the ball. Uh – they're 
struggling a little bit offensively. I know we'll kind of get more, we'll get get into details about that as we go on. But you know, this is this is a team that on the road in Fort Worth, you're probably going to get their best shot. I mean, it's going to be a little bit like that West Virginia game where where you might have to to weather some weather some momentum storms in this game. I mean, it could happen depending on how things go early. I just want to let you know they are one and two in Big Twelve play, not one and three like I said. So I was just already you know chalking up the victory for <laughs> UT this next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know the one thing that stands out uh, if you're trying to compare schedules and it's not really worth anything in, in college football or really football in general. But they did beat Kansas fifty one fourteen. Now I will tell you that was PD, what I'm calling pre Deerman, um, but nonetheless they did beat them. Uh, and they beat them soundly, and so you can kind of look at a little bit of a comparison there, um, and, and and say they they've got something, you know. They, 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 this is not while they may be a six or seven win team. There's there's quite a bit of talent on this TCU team. There is. Uh, I, I know we're going to get into individual players, but Jalen Rager is is one of the top three receivers in 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 the league for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I would put him up there. You know, you got Wallace from this 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 will be at least the the second to third best receiver that. That Texas has seen so far this year. That's this is a first, that's a first round NFL pick next year, hands down. Um, their 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 running game has been pretty solid. They're they're still their their young quarterback Max Duggan or Dugan. We'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> is uh, is struggling to throw the ball down the field, but he's a heck of an athlete, and he's the kind of guy that can really uh exploit teams that aren't tackling too well and that 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 may not be a good matchup for Texas. I know. I but let's go ahead and get into Duggan. Um we're going to call him Duggan whether he likes it or not. Um <laughs> 56% completion rate. He's got a, a little under 900 yards passing, 9 TDs, no interceptions. That's saying something for a young QB. He only has 161 yards rushing, which for somebody who is athletic as he is, um you would think that that number would be higher. Did you see the run he put on Kansas State last week? The yeah. 46-yard touchdown run? Um, man, I mean, that was pretty stunning. I mean, quite literally lowering his shoulder and bowling over linebackers and then outrunning a, a, a defensive back for the end zone. That was a heck of a run. Yeah, he, he's he's an athlete. Man, there, there's no doubt about it. And if if they can get put into – if they can put him into situations where he can, you know – Use that and and catch catch guys one on one. It's it's gonna it's gonna be tough for anybody trying to defend him. So I, I I kind of look at it. He is a quarterback who can run. He's not a quarterback who is asked to consistently run. He's not he's not Jalen Hurts. No no he's he's they're they're not gonna be calling quarterback draws or or anything like that. It's going to be when the defense breaks down, when the play extends to four or five seconds. You see him take off and, and maybe pick up a first down type stuff. Yeah, exactly. And and those are those are some of the quarterbacks that have given Texas trouble in recent years. I mean, I say that I think every team thinks that those are the guys that are, like specifically are their kryptonite. They're just hard to defend. You know, yeah. guys that extend plays and guys that you know buy a couple extra seconds. Uh, are never going to be easy to take care. Of, are never going to be easy to defend. Let's uh, let's dive in. This is a more running team than it is a passing team. Even though they've got a decent young quarterback and a star wide receiver, uh, they tend to just run it more often. They've got some solid talent there. Uh, Darius Anderson is averaging seven point one yards per carry. Um, he's leading the team. 
I guess you would have expected him to lead the team this year, but they've also got a really good number two, and we're going to give this a shot. Siwo Olanaluwe. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, did I get there? I think. Uh, <laughs> 6 3, 240. Yeah. I mean, He's the the biggest running back since Henry Melton, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, they they've got a pretty good one two punch over there in the backfield. Yeah, they 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 do, and that's that's the this team's identity. Obviously, they they they've built the they built themselves to complement that great defense that's always omnipresent on the other side of the ball mm-hmm. for Gary Patterson's teams, and uh, they want to try to shorten the game. They want to try to run between the tackles. They want to come straight at you. They want to be the Basically, the anti Big Twelve team. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and you know we've talked about Texas having tackling problems. Six three, two hundred and forty, and quote the biggest freak athlete in college football. Olanaluwe could be a problem. He he could be, and there's 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 a few guys on this te- on this team that if if Texas isn't swarming to the ball and gang tackling, you there could be some more nightmares. Uh, for, for Texas fans yeah. watching. I think that's really what it's got to be. You, you've got to be uh, gang tackling whenever it's him. And, and once again, he's not leading the team in rushing. Um, he's second in the team. Anderson has uh, almost 600 yards and six touchdowns. So um, no chump himself. Uh, both of these running backs are going to cause problems for UT. They are. And and I know we're going to kind of get into the other side of the ball, but the real, the, the to me, your best your best defense might be your offense in this game. If you can go out and spot 21 points on the board, get get yourself a nice double-digit lead and make this tech TCU team have to do things it doesn't want to do, mm-hmm. that's that's really going to be the big key in this game. So uh, you talked about uh, Jalen Rieger. Um, he is a stud athlete, but he's on the smaller side. Um, 5'11", uh, listed at at least. He leads the team in receptions, has about a quarter of the overall yard, uh, receiving yardage for the team, which is all of 271 yards this season. He, he, has, he has three touchdowns. For as good as he is, he has not been able to impact the game like you may think a player of that talent does. He's got the speed to stretch the field, but they, they don't have the passing game to, to really get him the ball in those, in those long ball situations. A lot of what he's mm-hmm. getting are those short to intermediate routes, and he's making guys miss. Mm-hmm. You know, another red flag. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, that's 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 a lot of their passing game right now is is the those those screens and and stuff like that. You know, short outs and quick slants and stuff where where he can try to try to become basically a running back in in the secondary and yeah. long handoffs. In this day and age, with Duggan having a fifty six percent completion rate, I know fifteen years ago people would have said, "Oh, that's fine." Today. Uh, that that's not going to cut it. And I think that's probably what you're seeing. Uh, the problem with Rieger is that Duggan just has a hard time getting in the ball. Yeah. And, and it, it's just a young quarterback who's, who's still finding his rhythm. And he, I think he has arm talent. I mean, he was, I think the number three dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. I mean, he's, he's a talented guy. I think the game is just going really fast for him right now. And he's mm-hmm. not able to read everything that's going on on the field. Is that something that, you know, we've seen some more vanilla defenses from uh, Orlando the last couple of weeks. Part of that, in my mind, is to you. they've got so many freshmen in there, so many freshmen and sophomores, and on top of that, so many injuries, that I think he's kind of trying to keep it a bit simpler than normal. Whenever you've got a young quarterback on the other side of the football, sometimes keeping it simple isn't the right idea. 
Right, but you also don't want to outthink yourself. <laughs> you know, True. you know, you don't these 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 guys in the secondary are are young and they're already processing things a little slower than than you really want. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe adding on, you know, disguising coverages and and complex reads and you know pre-snap stuff like that, you might you might outthink yourself a little bit on that. Yeah, sometimes it's hey, that guy in front of you you keep up with him and don't let him catch the ball. And that's the best way to take a freshman and put him on the field. Exactly. And and other than, you know, Rager and a couple other players, you're, you're more talented than the guy you're lining up across from. So, I mean, just I, I think at this point, maybe simplify things. Just just use your talent and say, hey, let's go. Let's, let's go play these guys one-on-one. You know, you win your position battle and be a better athlete because you are. Let's move on to the defense. It's um, the consistent storyline, consistent theme for Gary Patterson for what now seemed like decades, plural. But, um, you know, uh, it, it's called the 4-2-5 defense. Uh, he's one of the pioneers of the 4-2-5. This year is a little bit different. In fact, there are some people that are calling it a quote-unquote positionless defense uh, where they just use a lot of hybrid players. TCU defense is all predicated on speed. Uh, trying to get as many defensive backs out there, but they they run three safeties that they tend to to hybrid up towards the line of scrimmage, and and oftentimes their linebackers will come on blitzes, and and some of their speed athletes uh, on the edge in terms of defensive ends will start dropping back into zone coverage. I mean, it's it's really an interesting defense that Gary Patterson's running. Yeah, and and if you're if you're looking at one area where this defense is is usually susceptible. It is the fact that they are so predicated on being fast, especially on the defensive line, that if you can get a, an offensive line that, that can line up and, and beat you off the ball and push guys back, that, that, that tends to be a problem for them and has been in the past. And mm-hmm. I, I think that if you're Texas, that's what you kind of got to lean on and say, hey, we, we, we trust in this offensive line. These guys are playing well. We, we need to be able to run the ball on these guys. Well, and I'll tell you, um, Gary Patterson has probably heard that before because he's got two 300-pound defensive tackles, man, in the middle of that defense. Uh, one of them, uh, Ross Blacklock, is having a heck of a year. Um, and as a 300-pound defensive tackle, and you look at him going to TCU and not Alabama or Clemson, you have to imagine he's probably not the fastest defensive tackle in the world just because guys who are that big and that fast go to Clemson. Um, but, man, he's got 3.5 sacks on the year for a big guy. Yeah. He's got a boatload of tackles for loss. They they do have kind of those, I don't know, Tony Saragusa right up the middle to, to really eat up that offensive line. Yeah, and, and that's going to be a challenge for, for Zach Shackelford, who, you know, the only – the only good to great defensive tackle he played this year was Gallimore from, from OU and Gallimore kind of ate his lunch. You know, this is a guy that that's that's the centerpiece of your offensive line. And, and uh, you know, one of the more talented, you know, supposed to be one of the more talented centers in the country and he's got to win one of these marquee matchups. And I think that uh, if, if you're Texas, you, you've just got to bet on, bet on your guy. Yeah. Well, and uh, we can go into some of their, uh, linebacking core also Garrett Wallow was kind of one of the top returners uh, from this defense he's doing as expected which is leading the team in tackles having a very solid year two and a half sacks himself uh, they've also got some young speed once again uh, out there uh, at the linebacker position uh, LaKendrick Van Zant hasn't really shown up 
throughout much of the season, but he's one of those speed type players uh, in their their two part of the four two five. Yeah, and those those two are 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 usually fast enough that they could play in the secondary for a lot of teams. You know, that, most that, of them did. Yeah, they, most of them were safeties that moved to linebacker. Right. That's that's a that's a Patterson. That's a trademark Patterson uh, move right there. Is, yeah. is you know, find some undersized guys, put a little weight on them, and and move them up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's. It's it's everything you expect a Gary Patterson defense to look like. I mean, these guys these guys are flying to the ball. It, you're not going to beat them with with some of that, you know, some of that stuff that Texas got away with earlier in the year, where you know you're just throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage to Duvernay. This team is going to swarm to that kind of stuff. I mean, you're going to yeah. have to you're going to have to be able to run the ball, and you're going to have to be able to throw it down the field and put these guys in, in bad situations if if you want to if you want to beat them the way that. Texas is probably going to have to to win this game. One more p- position group I want to jump into. Uh, I think this might be the most talented portion of the TCU team, the safeties. Um, while their defensive backs are all all, all good, uh, the safeties are the cream of the crop. Uh, Trevon Morig has just been a beast this year. He's got five pass defensives, two interceptions, a forced fumble, second on the team in tackles, which is not always a good thing to have your safety second on the team in tackles. Um, but, you know, good for him, I guess. Um, but uh, also Vernon Scott has been a great safety. They, they start three. You know, they've got a, a a strong, a weak, and a middle safety. And so that's kind of the heart of their, their whole plan and their identity on defense is really those three guys right there. Right. Three guys that you could – any of them could come up and play linebacker at any time. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're all tough. They're, they all – they're all – I mean, these guys, I think uh, tech, uh, tech of uh, TCU's – Five defensive backs, four are seniors this year. Uh, this is this is a group that's experienced. These guys know where they're going. They're they're playing fast. They're, I mean, they're they're there's a good chance this is the best this is the best secondary Texas has seen this year. Yeah, so far. Well, and, and you know LSU had quite a bit of talent back there too, but I I, I it's at least in the conversation. I, I agree with that. Um, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, what? You, you've talked about running being a key to this ball game for Texas to beat TCU. Besides getting Keontae Ingram and Roshan Johnson rolling, getting those big bodies moving downhill on some of these smaller speed type players from TCU's defense, what else do you think you need to see for Texas to walk out with a victory and keep kicking that can down the road another week? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I mentioned it before. You've got to be able to. You've got to be able to find ways to throw the ball down the field. I mean find ways that that hasn't been really a huge problem this year. You've got to be able to protect Ellinger long enough to throw the ball down the field because Texas, it, TCU definitely watched that Oklahoma film and they know they know this 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 offensive line struggled with some some blitz pickups and struggled with some some stunts and some stemming and and stuff like that. There's going to be Gary Patterson's going to throw some of that stuff at him. You know, you're going to have to be able this this offensive line's going to have to be able to keep Ellinger upright and they're going to have to be able to throw the ball down the field. I I I, I know that TCU has some talented guys in the secondary, but you, you've got to like your guys if you're Texas, you know, with, yeah. with Duvernay and and Johnson and and even you know Epps and Eagles and Jake Smith, you know, some of these guys that you know started to show back up last week fine, uh, for, for 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 Texas. Uh, yeah, I, I think those are the two big things. You can't, you're not going to be able to dink and dunk on these guys. You're not going to play. You're not going to get your. You're not going to get those conventional. You know, wide receiver screens and slants and stuff like that over the middle. That that stuff's probably going to go bye bye. You're going to have to you're going to have to earn it with, with with the big boy throws, and you're going to have to be able to win that battle up front. 
All right, game time, 2.30 uh, this Saturday on ESPN or ABC. I don't think they've quite worked it out yet, um, but I appreciate it. I'm Dalton Sweat sitting down here with uh, Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven publisher Chris Dukes. Once again, you can find him on uh, Twitter at DukesSteak. Um, keep up with this coverage online, si.com slash tech college slash Texas. And Chris, I appreciate it. I appreciate it to you. A uh, big shout out to Brian Moore uh, producing the, the show for us. Uh, the best producer that very little money can buy. Uh, there you go. We, we, we appreciate him. <laughs> and uh, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, uh, look forward to seeing you again next week. Yeah, thanks.